Coming up in this episode of the Unusable Podcast. Occam's Razor. Google's redesigned icons. Millions of leaky toilets. And Henry Hoover's cheeky little eyes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Unusable Podcast, where we discuss the importance of user experience in technology and the world around us, and talk about great design that just works, or moan about it when it doesn't. Yeah, I've, Andy, I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. Why don't you say that last bit, and then, so I say, we talk about great design that just works, and you go, or moan about when it doesn't. Okay, let's try it again. No, 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 that was it. That was it. That was me doing an impression of you. What do you mean? We'll do it next time. What do you mean, on the next podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that can be the intro. I feel like I feel like it's a missed opportunity. All right, okay. Not to do it now. Why are we waiting? Why are we All waiting? All right, fine. Welcome to the Unusable Podcast, where we discuss the importance of user experience in technology and the world around us, and talk about great design that just works. I'm running about it when it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing an impression of me doing an impression of you? Yes. Was it Was it good? I mean, it was flawless. Absolutely <laughs> flawless. Right. Um, uh, hello, what, Andrew. What, what, I think you need to introduce yourself one more time. But seriously, or are, we, are we? Are we? No, no, no. That's it. You've oh. you've had your chance. Okay. <laughs> okay. My name is David Ball. I'm a front end web and app developer. And my name is Andrew Waite, and I am the product owner of a software product. Good. How are you, Andrew? I am spiffing, thank you, David. How are you? Good. Uh, I'm so glad that we're recording this podcast because I don't, I don't normally get to talk to you. I mean, I, I could, I could call you up any time, but I've always got some technology rants to to talk to you about, so I feel like I need to save it up. That's why I don't talk to you. That's why I don't ring you. <laughs> I was be- I was beginning to think that you just didn't like me, but uh, <laughs> I'm saving it up. Saving it up for when we've got a microphone in front of us. Yeah, exactly. Right. What are we talking about today? So I thought we might talk a little bit about Occam's Razor. Okay. Have you got a good def- definition? I, I do, but is it worth explaining first what a razor is? Uh, it's something that shaves things off. Does it? No. Well, I, that, that... I mean, I'm not talking about literally. Okay. So we we did a video about about Occam's Razor. No, well, ha- we briefly touched on. Didn't we do? Ha- we did a video about Hanlon's razor. Oh, sorry. It was Hanlon's razor. Okay. So am I not right then that a razor? Because Occam's razor is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. So Occam's razor, according to Wikipedia, that old trustworthy source, is the problem solving principle that entities should not be multiplied without necessity. Or more simply, the simplest explanation is usually the right one. Okay, right. The simplest explanation is more likely the right one. Yes. So if there's a simple answer for something, then don't overcomplicate it. Okay. Is Occam's razor. It remind it always reminds me a little bit of Sherlock Holmes. So, you know, the simplest explanation for the truth is probably the right one. Is is that what Sherlock says? Like well no, but in, in a Sherlock Holmes book or TV show, if you remember which what was is it Hound of the Baskervilles where people think there's some sort of rabid dog monster thing. Yeah, there's like a glow-in-the-dark dog monster. And of course, in order for that to be true, there would need to be the existence of this creature which clearly doesn't exist and is impossible and, you know, all these things, okay? But actually, the simplest explanation is, you know... I can't even remember what the end it ends up being, but it's it's very not supernatural. It's very it, you know it's a natural. I think it was quite convoluted. Yes. So what's the actual quote? If you eliminate the impossible, then whatever remains, even if it's improbable, must, must be, the, be truth. the truth. Yeah. But that's not Occam's razor. Occam's razor is oh okay. Like the, 
the simplest explanation is usually the right one. Okay. Right. And, okay. And, and we can apply that to the field of UI UX design. Yeah. And all of technology, I suppose. Yeah, and correct all of technology in that you know we don't need to overcomplicate things. We we are solving problems yeah. for users. The simplest explanation is usually the right one. The simplest solution is usually the right one. Mm-hmm. We don't need to overcomplicate things in te- technology, especially if you're like me, asked to build things like websites, software problems, solve problems with software, that sort of thing. I suppose it is important to keep things as simple as you probably as you possibly can because if you <laughs> the thing is if you start making a really really complicated solution, you're going to hand that over to somebody who's going to be like, "Oh god, how do I use this?" Yeah. I think often as well, if you work with clients, yeah. they often get carried away with the possibilities and and features and they'll say, yeah, we want it blue and red and we want the title big and we want this on the left and this on the right. And I think yeah. it's really important to bring it back to Occam's Razor and say, no, no, what are you trying to achieve? What's your end goal? Yeah. And then apply Occam's Razor and say, well, no, the simplest solution is the best one and the most effective. So let's, you know, cut the cruft or let's try to organise these thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and let's get to the simplest possible solution. I suppose I could have, I'm trying to apply this to uh, website design. And so a lot of what I build has to be responsive in that it, a website needs to work on browsers of all different sizes, devices of all different sizes, things like that. And so if you have a really complicated looking design, you've got to then, you've then got a hard task trying to fit that on small screens, for example. Yeah. But if you have a fairly simple design in the first place, then you know, that might be easier to make it work across all screens. I mean, think think about think about this. You know, the, the simplest, I think we've spoken before, I can't remember if it's on a podcast or a video, but we've spoken before about a website ba- built in pure HTML <laughs> yeah. with no CSS is accessible. Yeah, it yeah. Wor- it's responsive. It, it just works beautifully. And that, that is a, a really good... Re- uh... I think some people might uh, have definitions of what is beautiful, though. I mean, completely functional and it works, but I don't get clients <laughs> ringing up saying, can you make a website in just pure HTML, please? With, with a white background and a bright blue links. Nobody wants that. It works. It 100% works. Um, yeah. But it's, I don't know, people do want something a bit more designed than that, a bit more functional than, than that. I think that the key is to keep it as simple as possible and don't let it get... You know, not everyone needs Facebook or whatever. No, but I think as soon as you start to stray too far from simplicity, you run into to, to complexity. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, and, it, and it's not just true in the design, it's true in the build as well. You know, if you think about, you know, having a really complicated design, like you said, that, that increases the complexity of the code, doesn't it? You know, you, if, all Absolutely, of us, if, yeah. all, if all of us, if you've got the world's most beautiful de- design on a desktop, but it's not simple enough in that it, it, it doesn't work responsively, then your code complexity increases because you then got two versions of it and you've got all that extra overhead to worry about, whereas you could just... Yeah, I, I have to then yeah. write in all these exceptions where I, I say, um, uh, how do I give a good example? This, this, this design um, is full width, except when it's larger than this amount, then it's not full width. Uh, you know, the, 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 the yeah. headline text is this size, except when it's on a small screen, in which case it's this size. And so having to go through all of those um, exceptions when you're when you're looking at the code is quite quite complicated. It can be complicated if it's like six months down the line after you've built it and you're looking at it going, oh God, how does this all work again? 
Where, 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 where have you gone to? Are you going to beer? I was just grabbing a beer. Sorry. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, I've got uh, Camden Hells. Camden Hells. From the Camden Town Brewery, oh, which nice. is uh, a nice beer. Oh, good. I've got some Brothers Toffee Apple Cider. Ooh. Uh, do you know- oh, my God. This is so sweet. Uh, I've got to be careful with this. Last time I had some, I had like this insane sugar rush. And I, I, I just, I was, I felt like I was going crazy. And I just like opened the front door and I just ran. I just ran out really far. I almost ran to Denby. You'll have no teeth left drinking that stuff. I know. <laughs> oh, cider, cider I find too sweet as it is, let alone toffee apple cider. Yeah, I know. It is very sweet. So I've got a slightly different definition here of Occam's Razor. Okay. So this is from the very beautiful website, lawsofux.com, which if you haven't seen this, I would very much recommend that you go and take a look. Okay. And they say that Occam's Razor is this. Among competing hypotheses that predict equally well, the one with the fewest assumptions should be selected. Okay. Now that's just saying the same thing using different words, isn't it? I think so, but it, I'm just exploring the different uh, different definitions that are out there. I suppose all that means is kind of more guidance. It's more practical guidance, isn't it? It means that if you've got some options, you know, you're presenting the options to a client or you're presenting some options to your boss or just to yourself, you've got some things to choose from always choose the simplest and not the most complicated. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've known plenty of programmers who get really excited about like a really a new function, new functionality or a, a new plugin or, or using a new technology or something like that. Whereas maybe it's not that. Maybe that uh, would just be too complicated. A, a common problem I find is developers that want to make an abstraction that isn't necessary because they're trying to predict ahead for... <laughs> For a future that may never occur and does never oh, right, occur, yeah. um, I, I I think I think it's noble. I think what they're trying to do is with good intentions. Hang on, maybe can you possibly explain what that means to an idiot like me? Let me try and think of a good example. So, so let's take a really really stupidly simple example in code. So adding two numbers together. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we set out an, in our project, and our project is to build a system that adds together two and six. Yeah. Well, the simplest, absolute simplest solution to that is to go two plus six. But that's hard-coded. Yeah. In the future, if we decide in the future that we want to add together nine and 11. Yeah. So when we, what we might then do is, is abstract it. So we might say, actually, instead of having code that can just add together two, two specific numbers, we're going to make code that can add together any two numbers. So you'd put those two things into, into variables, I assume. So, you got so you'd put those two... Yeah, you'd put those two... First number, things, second number. Yeah, you'd put them into variables and then you'd have a function that adds together any two numbers. Now, that that yeah. that is really sensible abstraction and you might do that because obviously it takes you no longer but uh, no longer than just really than writing uh, adding together two numbers but my point is if all you ever need to do if the spec of the project is to add to add together say two and six and you've got yeah, no intent just, just get it done and you've got no intention of ever doing anything else then why add the complexity of of, of a function <laughs> that abstracts it yes you're being very clever and predicting something but that may never happen and I, th- and I think it's a judgment call. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should... Yeah, because not... sometimes yeah. this is very sensible to abstract things. Yes. Because, uh, you know, especially if you're working with clients, you might not know... Well, I mean, not even with clients. I mean, you just don't know what something is going to have to change. But, but, the, that's, but that's my point. But, but that's my point. I've, I've, 
in in many times in the past i've seen very well-intentioned developers add complexity to try and future-proof something uh, and then yeah, later okay. on but the complexity... later on what changes is not what they expected to change and so so you've actually just added this complexity to not solve that problem and it's made it more complicated yes it's made it more complicated to change in the way that yeah. we need it to change because there's now yeah. more code to refactor there's now more things to change whereas mm. because they were trying to predict something that never ended up happening so it's it's a really yeah. difficult balance to strike because you can end up in the opposite problem where you've just you know fixed something so rigidly that it's impossible to change it uh, or, or not impossible yeah, to change, yeah. but a lot harder to change it and but but I think I think it's really important to predict I think it's really important to specify what is going to change and, and work out what is going to change yeah and just build your solution to that and no more because otherwise you're over optimizing for something that you may that may never happen and uh, and I think and I think that that to me is a really good ap- uh, application of Occam's razor is to just say no we need to just keep it simple if all we're doing here is adding together two and six and there is no requirement now or on the near horizon to do anything else just add two and six we'll fix it later <laughs> if needs be but yeah. but but i think a lot of de- that goes contrary to what a lot of developers like to do they like to come up i think a lot of developers like to come up with smart solutions that you know maybe don't aren't necessary you know you said keep it simple there and uh we I think, i'm pretty sure i've said keep it simple plenty of times in my career but uh i didn't realize there's actually a, like a, a, a design keep it simple as in kiss k-i-s-s is actually a design principle and it's uh it says on wikipedia that it's noted by the u.s navy in 1960 so it's like the idea of just keeping it simple is not just a thing that we say it is well hold on a minute hold on a minute kiss what? has got two s's in it yeah, so, oh, uh, keep it simple. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid, or keep it short and simple, or keep it small and simple, or oh, the 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 one I know is the insulting one. It's keep it simple, stupid. That's very arrogant. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the one I know. That's that's what I was. I, how I, I don't know where I picked it up from, but yeah. I like the one which is uh, keep it short and simple because I don't know, less insulting. Uh, you yeah, can also yeah, apparently say yeah. keep it simple sailor so if it was if it's a design principle noted by the US Navy then uh, I don't know maybe it's important to keep the sailor in there do we have to give give a salute keep you it have simple. to give a salute whenever you say it sailor. you have to say keep it simple salute <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like like this quote from a, an article by John Yablonski on Medium by only introducing complexity when it is necessary we can ensure that our yeah. designs stay lean and void of superfluous elements that do not add value to the user experience. Okay, that's good. Do you want me to message you that, message you that so you can digest it? There you go. <laughs> you think I need to see it written down to uh, to fully understand it? I don't know. I'm just... You You looked a bit vacant when I first said it, so I thought I'd... I'd do you not notice that I do that it. a lot when you're talking? Yeah. <laughs> so someone that I um, recently have been doing a little bit of reading about... Um, and who I've got a lot of respect for is a man called Dieter Rams. Do you know who he is? No. So he is a German industrial designer and he is very, very well known for products that he designed for the Braun company. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so he's, he's done a lot of product design in the past, but he was a very, very ardent proponent of keeping things simple. And a quote of his that I really like, in fact, I like it so much that I've got it on my desktop. I'm going to show it you now. Oh, okay. Uh, this is my desktop wallpaper, a quote from Dieter Rams. Oh, can I read the quote? Yeah, go ahead. Less, but better. Yeah, so, so Dieter Rams 
Dieter Rams really believe in this less but better. So let's try and do less. And this is, this is actually something that, that I've been trying and with varying levels of, of success to apply to my to what I do because I have a, a job role that, that spans a lot of different disciplines. Yeah, okay. And sometimes I find it very difficult to focus and grow um, and to, to, to become better because I'm just doing so much. I'm so thinly spread. So so I'm trying to apply this and live by this motto of less but better. Thinly spread like a little Andrew butter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it's not Andrew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, good. What were we talking about? Um... I have no Dieter Rams. So just about Occam's Razor, I think he's a um, his design is the embodiment of Occam's Razor. Yeah, you know, okay. it's exactly what you need. No more. Very, very functional. Less but better. But you, thing is, if we work less, we kind of we still want to be paid for the more, though, don't we? No, I don't, I don't think it's about working less. I think getting to the best solution takes longer. What's that famous quote? Something like, um, "I wanted to write you a short letter, but I I didn't have time." Yeah, so I wrote yeah. You I a think it's uh, like. I think it's attributed it's, it's to something... quite a few different uh, different poets, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because being concise is quite a lot of work sometimes, isn't it? Definitely. Uh, again, something that I've been doing very recently is writing copy for our new website and trying to convey the message concisely is yeah, incredibly definitely. difficult. Um, try, you know, you you end up wanting to write everything, especially when you're passionate yeah. about about what you do, like I am. You end up wanting to say everything, and so you have to be really, really brutal in in cutting it down. It takes it takes a lot of time. If I had a lot of space to write, and people, and I knew that people would be willing to sit there and read all of my ramblings, yeah. it'd be well, easy. I assume you're not writing a blog post, though, are you? You're talking about the um, you're talking about the content on the homepage. You know, the really the gripping marketing text. It needs to be really short and suck suck someone in. Yes, yes, exactly that. Suck someone into the website so that they can be running around like Tron. What? I've never never seen you know, Tron. Tron. You never see Tron. He, like he goes into the computer and he has to he has to fight the master controller or something. I can't remember. He says he says a really good thing. He's inside the computer. He says, "I fight for the user." Oh, I, I should watch that. Yeah. The only thing yeah, I know about. Well, I mean, it's it's terrible, but oh, there are connections between. Uh, computing. The only thing I know about Tron, I think it's Tron, yeah. is the two coloured motorcycles, red and yeah, blue. Yeah, that's that's a part of the uh, of the film. And yeah. wasn't that referenced in like a, one of the Daft Punk videos? I think there's a recent Daft oh, Punk maybe, video yeah. that references the references that. Um, another Dieter Rams quote: mm. "Good design is as little design as possible." Oh, wait, 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 wait. What does that mean? Are they talking about design as in the process of getting to a solution, or are they talking about the end result? Because you don't just a designer doesn't just come up with an idea and then knock off for the day. A designer spends time <laughs> and effort coming up with some some kind of solution, and sometimes no, it takes I, a long time to come up with the, the simplest solution. Yes, I I am definitely applying some interpretation because I've I don't know where this quote was from, and I don't know the background to it, and I also don't know you know I'm I'm applying my own context to his to his quote. Yeah, but. I strongly believe that what he means by that is not as little design process as possible. I think he means, you know, that as as minimal actual pen to paper or as little components to the actual finished result. Okay. So a nice simple he's creating a nice simple product. Exactly right. I mean if you think about things that came out of the Braun company that were designed by him, they are incredibly simple what products, are aren't they? 
What, do, what does Braun make? Uh, like all sorts of stuff. things over the years. Calculators, record players, uh, a lot lighter. Razors. Yeah. Electric shavers. Occam's, Occam's shaver. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've got a story about uh, about technology going wrong in my own home, uh, and it kind of relates to this. I was going to kind of save it for the rigmarole later on, but I might tell you now because it's because it's relevant. So we've got a toilet in our house. In fact, we've got three toilets in our house, which is all, all mod comms. Hold three on a toilets. Hold on a minute. You've got three toilets in your house. Uh, you, I know it's it's a tiny house as well. You've got like every other room's a toilet. You've got more toilets than you have people. <laughs> I like to have choice. <laughs> I like to have options. <laughs> Um, so anyway, the uh, it's a fairly modern house, and all these toilets, when when they were fitted, were fitted with a, a drop valve system. Now I've, I've had to look this up because uh, because it's gone wrong. In fact, all three toilets, pretty much at the same time, have all gone wrong. And what what happened is, uh, in fact, there's a there's an article on the BBC about this very technology. So this drop valve system was introduced to save water. Essentially, it has two um, different buttons: one for a short flush and one for a, a long flush. Right, um, but the problem is. The technology seems to be completely flawed because the the BBC article that I found about it says that these kind of toilets end up wasting loads more water than they're ever to save because they go wrong so often. And it says the the volume of water loss is getting bigger every day as more people refurbish and retrofit their older toilets. So so as people install these toilets, we're actually losing more and more water because the technology, by the look of it, seems to be completely flawed. Um, but yeah, in the UK, there's 400 million litres of water just completely lost because these toilets are just, they're just dripping. So so the des- it's designed to save water. Yeah. But the, but the added complexity of that design... Exactly. The added complexity... Leads, leads to the failure. Leads to the failure. Which then actually leads to the opposite of the intended design, which is, <laughs> which is, which is wastage. Yeah. Yeah. So t- to me, that's a brilliant example of the unintended consequences of design. Yeah. So where... if they just kept it simple, you know, a simple bog, well, a simple bog standard bog. Mm-hmm. Bogs, bogs, oh, bog standard bog. Well, hold on. You you froze, um, and I was kind of right, more. Yeah. I was trying to. Yeah, it did. Sorry, it didn't go in to start with because I was. Oh, like, the oh. internet has ruined my joke. <laughs> a bog standard bog. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your pity laugh. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But I think there are a lot of instances of overcomplicated design having the opposite effect to what was intended, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, well, I've just given you an example of one. Have you got more? Um, I didn't. I've now forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh god what was it while you're thinking about that can I tell you about my rigmarole to to fix this blooming toilet yeah go on okay so I wanted a plumber and I um, I wanted a local plumber I know that there's one that just lives down the road so I I, I googled for plumber found his number you know how google maps um, well you know how google brings up on the search results like a map result and uh, and like has the big buttons call and directions and all that sort of thing don't get me started about this the 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 rise of the no click search the rise of the no click search is a whole is a whole topic that that I don't want to yeah let's not start me on that one alright fine well anyway for the the average user that's dead useful because it's highlighting it's pulling the information out of the websites right there onto the onto the front page of google brilliant so I press call. I call him. 
uh, and I speak to the um, speak to the plumber guy, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, just send me some photos of the of the toilets, uh, and then I'll uh, I'll send." He says, "Send me the photos of the toilets on WhatsApp, and I'll I'll get back to you later about them." So I assume he needs the photos so that you can order the parts or or whatever. And I was like, "Yeah, sure, sure, I'll do that." And so I open up WhatsApp and I add the number that I've just called him on, and nothing happens. It doesn't it doesn't say it's failed, but it also doesn't add the number to the you know the the, the WhatsApp call list. And I feel like a bit of an idiot, really. Like I, was, like, I didn't know how WhatsApp worked. And I could have rang, rang him back and just said, hold on a minute, how how do I add you on WhatsApp? Because the the number's just not appearing in my WhatsApp uh, you know, mess, can, message can list. Can I predict what, what happened here? Go on, then. See if I get it right. Go on, then. So, so was Google listing a tracking redirect number so that the call could be tracked and then when you tried to add it to WhatsApp it, WhatsApp was going this isn't an actual his actual phone number is that is that what's happening that was one thing that I did think could have happened now most people probably wouldn't think think of that as even being something that would happen turns out well no most people most people wouldn't even know that that was a thing that they were tracking phone exactly numbers exactly like, so you know, it's, it's that's the reason why i told you this whole process so, so far because that was in my my mm-hmm. my thought process as well is that yeah because uh, some services do that i can't think of any but um anyway in this in this case google wasn't google was listing the number it wasn't redirecting it through some other number or anything like that but it was listing one of his numbers if i went to his website he's actually got two numbers one looks like a landline and one looks like a uk mobile number so i was like oh right okay well i'll just have to copy and paste the uh the mobile number because you can't use whatsapp on your landline as far as i know that's a bit ridiculous so um so i try and copy and paste the mobile number guess what's happened his phone number is on an image on his website it's not text it's on an image So I can't with no alt te- with no alt text of it as well. Uh, well, I'm on I'm on my mobile. I'm on my phone, so I mean I can't really inspect the alt text, or I, I don't really know how to do that in Chrome on a uh, you know on a on a mobile. I don't. Think so you can, but, yeah. what I had to do was so I had to write it down using a pencil and paper like what? a flipping caveman. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> Yeah, and then I sent him the photos. Is it fixed? Is it the the most important thing? Is is it fixed now? No, he's not even got back. Can you have a poo? He's not even got back to me. So what are you do? What are you doing in the main meantime if all your toilets have broken? Oh, they still work, but they just leak a bit. This is the thing. This is why I said on the on the article it says that four hundred million liters is just going to waste because the toilets aren't broken; they're just all leaking. So talking about Occam's razor and simple design. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that applies to the design of of, of the iPhone, doesn't it? Oh, so okay. I, I must admit I'm not the world's biggest Apple fan. I'm sure many of our listeners are or aren't, and the, it, it's one of those things that gets a strong, a strong feeling, evokes a strong feeling, doesn't it? Apple. Don't set people off. I know, I know, but but you can't deny, you cannot deny, whether you like Apple or not. That the iPhone is a beautifully simple design. It is a flat, ob- well, what is it? Like it's a, it's a flat uh, it's a piece screen. of glass. It's essentially just a screen. That's it's just all a it screen is. with with one That's button. All it ever was. It's got one button on it. Yeah. So the, the the very first you're talking about, like when it very first came out, just how much of a a huge deal it was because phones had like a million buttons and they were getting yeah. increasingly more complicated. Yeah, and then they, then yeah, Apple just came out with this thing that was essentially a tiny little TV with one button. But they, what what they did, they they really simplified things, didn't they? Because it was quite common at the time to be able to send picture messages. 
but when the iPhone came out, you couldn't even send a picture message. No, it, it was common when it was common when the iPhone came out to have a 3G internet connection on your phone, which made those crappy little mobile pages that you could visit on your phone. It made those quite. No, are you talking about fast? WAP? No, no, beyond, after WAP, the early, early days of proper web pages on a mobile. Yeah. But you had 3G, so it was quite fast. And the first iPhone... Was it, was it, it 2G back then? Well, it, yeah, which was a bit stupid, really, because all of a sudden the iPhone came along and you got this great big colour screen. So really, it had the capability of showing a much richer web experience, and yet it was only 2G. But obviously what they'd done is just really just pared it back to the minimum, or... Actually, I think on the 2G thing, that must have been because they needed to just get it to market and 3G would have taken longer or something. I don't know. It feels like... Well, it, but... I don't know. The sceptic in me thinks that it'll be so that Apple can announce it later going, now, look, we've invented picture messages. And well, that, that, but that's had it for ages. But, but that is exactly what they did. They <laughs> that is exactly what they did. The first few years of iPhone improvements <laughs> used to wind me up something chronic because they'd just go... Just inventing things that we already had before. Yes. Claiming... They'd go, iPhone... <laughs> iPhone now 3G and it's like hold on a minute 3G is like a five-year-old technology like what that's not <laughs> new iPhone now with picture messaging you're like what what my, my old Nokia could do that like what what but um, FaceTime hold on a minute <laughs> we could, we've been able to video call for ages <laughs> yeah yeah just that so nobody uses it yeah because it's just a bit yeah S- slap a marketing a slap a marketing name on it and all of a sudden it's the the latest and greatest, but you—I mean, you obviously—you can't deny the success of Apple and yeah, and and the reasons why. Um, but I, but I do think that one of the reasons for their success is that they apply Occam's razor to everything that they do, and and that simplicity of design of, you know, the fundamentals, nothing more. Yeah, really holds true for for Apple design. They could have really complicated that interface or the amount of buttons on there or whatever, but they really thought about just the, keeping it simple. I will admit that. I'm going to go off on a random tangent here, and I'm sorry. Oh God! Do you remember? Do you remember Nokia's? Yeah. Sometime just before the arrival of the iPhone. Yeah. They used to, a lot of them used to have a, um, something which I think is missing on modern phones, and I and I sorely miss, which is a physical camera shutter. Oh yeah. So I had a run of Nokia's where you would have a camera shutter, and you'd click it across, and that would do two things. Well, first of all, when it's closed, it protects your lens. Well it, well, it protects your lens, but also you can be re- you can be absolutely assured that nobody's spying on you, or you know, you, uh, right, yeah, you, yeah. you know, no, if anyone's hacked into your phone, they can't. It's not going to work, is it? Or you can't. If, you, like, I don't if know. you're like at the toilet, you, you're sure that no one's using it to spy through. Yeah, I don't want people spying on my business. Um, yeah, exactly. The the. Um, <laughs> But the other thing that it did, which I thought was super cool, is that because you're taking a physical action to open that shutter, is it also used to activate the camera as well. So rather than needing a button or an app or whatever to activate the camera, you could literally just flick across this little shutter, which is on the camera. So it's really obvious what it's going to do. And it and your phone will just wake up and go to the camera app. I've completely forgotten all about that. But yeah. What a brilliant thing cool. was that? And what a regression yeah. have we gone through? Because now... I don't think I, I I don't think any of the modern phones that I've had have that feature. They've got just a permanently exposed lens to be scratched and to take pictures of me when I'm naked and don't realize it's recording me. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And in and in order to activate the camera, well there's a shortcut on Android, but it's annoying. You have to like double press the power button. Oh, I didn't is, even know that. Yeah, you can double press the power button really quick and it'll open the camera. Oh, right. Didn't know. 
but yeah, I, I know a lot of people are worried about security, and I've seen people in the office put like post-its over the uh, over the camera, so just so that they absolutely know it's not going to take photos of them when they they want to. Well, yeah, web- webcam hacking is a thing, isn't it? Hacking into people's laptops and I think so. Let's not scare people. Oh my god. No, I know. Can I tell you, Andrew, about our Twitter followers? We go go ahead. Do you know what this week? Are I'm, you going to say? This week, I am not going to do anything apart from say hello to them afterwards. Oh, what? You're not going to say hello to every single one? No. Oh, it's going to be really awkward. It's just going to be me saying some names. Right. I'm going to do it. We've got Charity Mbaka, Jay Akut, Neil Montez, Daniel McKenzie, Salma Afzal, John Hurley, Ali Mead, Mattia Navachia, Andrew Lutz, Josh Force, Patrick Garvin, Helen Zek, and Mark Bowley. Hello, everyone. This is your welcome to our podcast. It's good to have you on board. Oh, on board. On board the good ship Unusable. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think you'd want a ship called Unusable, would you? And on that note, shall we set sail to the Isle of Bad Usability Nightmares? <laughs> we can do. Ready. <laughs> That was the most Alan Partridge thing I've ever said in my life. I know, it was brilliant. <laughs> oh, I think we should do, try and do more more like tacky links like that. I, between absolutely, segments. it was brilliant. <laughs> Ready? Three. <laughs> Three, two, one. Bad usability, Bad usability nightmares. nightmares. I haven't got any, you know. I, I told you about mine earlier. Have you got one? Well, hold on a minute. I thought you'd got something about a Hoover and a all sorts. Oh, I can tell you all about my Hoover. Yeah, sorry, it's not a Hoover. It's a vacuum cleaner. Yes, sorry. Yes. Uh, well, I'll tell you about this with the one very, very minor thing first, and then I'll tell you about the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but th- in fact, the vacuum cleaner is not even a, a, a nightmare. It's fine. I've bought a nice new vacuum cleaner. Anyway, let me tell you about this other thing. So uh, this is about product design. It doesn't relate in any way to what we've just been talking about, though, which is a shame. Okay. And it doesn't relate to technology much either. It's just, this is a very, very minor problem. So I've got this bottle of aftershave moisturiser thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a little moisturiser. And the previous one had a square top, right? And I never really thought about how great that was until... They've changed the they've changed the bottle now to a round top. So when I use it, it's all nice and sort of moisturising my hands, and I've got slippery hands, and I'm putting the top back on with a round top. I can't put the top back on; it's all slippery. But the square top that it used to have was easy to to to, to put on because you could grip the square top. What's that got to do with the vacuum cleaner? It's got nothing to. You talked about the vacuum cleaner. You brought that up. This is just a this is just a very minor thing that I wanted to tell you about. Oh, that it's okay. about product design because some yes. designer obviously thought people's hands are going to be slippery let's create a square top and then some other designer later has thought oh let's just do a round one without thinking about why the first designer made it square in the first place so is it for cost do you think or is it for i think it just design. looks nice okay okay i think it just looks nice but it's a shame because it's less functional than the than the one before it Mm-hmm. which I thought more thoughts had gone into. Right, so I have to t- tell you about my vacuum cleaner now, don't I? Because you've asked. So I've bought, I've had for a long time a Henry Hoover, yeah? And I've had this like over 20 years. I don't, yeah. I have no idea how old this Henry Hoover is because, yeah, I might have had it 25 years, I think. And I, 
inherited it from a guy that I used to live with, and I don't know how long he had it beforehand. Wow. And I've always thought maybe I should get a, a modern one, something that's new. So, you know, in that twi- in those 25 years, lots of things have been invented. The iPhone has been invented. 3G has been invented. Technology for vacuum cleaners must be off the chart by this point. Well, ho- hold on a minute. Just one th- one little thing. So you said this was, is this a Henry Hoover? Henry Hoover, yeah. Right, I feel like we should explain it. I, I, do you know if Henry Hoovers are international? Because if they're not, I feel like this is worth just just explaining for a moment what 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 one of these is. Oh, it's a vacuum cleaner with a face on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, just but a it, cheeky little face. Exactly, exactly. So this, if if for whatever reason they do they don't have these in your country, I encourage you to look up a Henry vacuum cleaner because it is this. Oh, they're very common. They're, they're common in the UK, but do you know what? I don't know if they are elsewhere. I genuinely don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they are, but I don't like to assume. This is this like, yeah, this little vacuum cleaner thing. And it's red with like a black top hat, isn't it? And a smiley face. And where its nose is, is where the hose for the vacuum cleaner comes out. And it's... Yeah, and so you pull it along. Yeah, but... You have the um, the, the, the hose and the... I don't even know the terminology for these things. The stick... The stem, the the, wand. the, the you do the the vacuuming the wand. with the wand. Oh, it's, it's a wand, it's, isn't it? That's yeah, what they call it. Wand. Now, it is a brilliant vacuum cleaner. I've kept it for so long because it's it's so good, but also it's so basic, and that might be the reason why it's so good. Um, because I've seen I've seen my parents get these uh, these fancy Dysons. And, and things and they've got all this extra functionality you know like the Dyson's got the thing where you clip the thing off then they you, you spin the thing and then you put the thing on the thing it's got all that sort of stuff Henry but with all that extra complexity means that it's I've seen them break and the Henry's just been solid it's just so simple you if you want to like get into a corner whop the wand off just get into the corner whop it back on whereas some vacuum cleaners they make that process quite complicated like you've got to undo a clip yeah you've got to pull the thing out and then you've got to put something else onto it, and then you might have to switch it to a different mode. That's the reason why I've 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 researched a few vacuum cleaners across the years, but I've always thought I'll stick with the Henry. It's just easier. Well, they are they are extremely robust, aren't they, Henrys? They just seem to keep going well, forever and ever yeah. and ever. And uh, it's just made out of plastic, so there's not really anything to to break or whatever. It's just this plastic. The one thing I find annoying about Henrys though is that you know when you it it looks and seems like what. You, all you need to do is just walk along and pull it and it'll follow you. Yeah, it does. But I find quite... But I now I find quite often when you're doing that, it'll, like, topple over. Uh, maybe. More often than you'd want. I think you'd be a bit too tough um, with it. Yeah. But it does have, like, shopping trolley wheels. So, I mean, it isn't always going in the right direction. Yeah. But no, I think that's I think that's fine. Anyway, I find I, I finally replaced it with, uh, with a shark. Hold on a minute. What has a sea creature got to do with vacuuming up dust <laughs> very large mouth yeah so i've replaced it with uh with a shark up it's upright but it's a uh, cordless so it's got a battery on it so that's good because it means that whenever i get the vacuum cleaner out i don't have to plug it in i don't have to worry about where the cord goes which is never really much of a problem it's just that it's just one less thing to do so simpler However, the vacuum cleaner itself, I mean it's got it's got more features. It's got more functionality. And so inevitably, yeah. with more functionality, as we talked before, comes more complexity. With great functionality comes great complexity. That's a that's a quote. I don't know who said that. Need that on a t shirt. Spider Man, maybe. I think Spider Man said that. <laughs> <laughs> So I've got 
possibly a bad usability nightmare. Okay, good. It's it's a biggie. This is a biggie, this one. Oh, God, right. It's, it affects a lot of people. Oh, no. So we've not done a podcast since Google's launched its new icons for G Suite apps. Oh, yeah. Okay, this, this has caused a bit of anger, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, now, I think most people will be aware of this. But if not, let's just give a little brief background. So um, Google's decided that it's going to apply new icons to some of its products. So they are um, what used to be known as G Suite. Well, I can't remember what it's called now. It's called, it was called G- Google Apps G Suite. I think it's called like Google Workspace or something now. Um, okay. But it includes things like Gmail and oh, what are the other ones? It's Gmail and Calendar and the uh, the Google Drive that are the big ones. Yes. those are the apps... Well, the big ones for me anyway, because those are the apps that I've got on my phone. So I can understand the problem that they were trying to solve by redesigning them, because the old icons for those things, while individually they were perfect, they didn't yeah. they didn't look like they were from a consistent family. They looked like they'd been they probably were designed at different times by different people. So they've obviously decided yeah, at yeah. some point that they would unify these icons in some way to bring them together, to make them look like a family of icons. And the problem is that they've gone too far in many people's views, and I would agree, because they now pretty much look the same. Uh, (laughs) They're almost indistinguishable. So you've got no idea what, like, um, the one for Google Docs, I think it is, looks exactly the same as the one for, like, Google Video, but except for the video one's got this little tiny bit on the side of it, which is barely noticeable. Oh, right. Okay. If you glance at the icons now, you could be looking at any one of them. It's so difficult. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they've all got the same colour. The shapes are the shapes are different, but, you know, you, you, you're normally looking at these things quite quickly. Like, I don't really stare at every icon as I, before I click it. You just kind of have a quick glance, well, don't you? What? And the ones that I get confused between is the, the Google Drive, which is a triangle. Yeah. And then the Google Home, which is like a picture of a, like an outline of a house, like a home house. Oh, God. And those yeah. things, when you, they're quite similar, aren't they? Yeah. And the colours are obviously, it's the same colour scheme for, the, for them both. Very similar. Yeah, quite frustrating. Very similar as well as Google Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. I've not got they're that They're all one. very, very, very similar. They're very, very, very similar. The, the other thing that really annoyed me about this change is, so previously, I'm, I've been a long-term, I've been a long-term Android user. <laughs> And I have Gmail on my Gmail on my phone, <laughs> uh, and I have uh, I have Gmail on my phone, and the icon for that used to be an envelope stylized ever so slightly with a red stripe for the, in the shape of an M um, yeah, along, yeah. along the the edge of the envelope, and so that was fantastic because when the icon showed up in my tray at the top of the screen. It was an envelope. I didn't even need to care that it was Gmail. The envelope means email. Mm. It means you've got an email. That's instantly recognisable. Brilliant. And what they've replaced that with is an outline of an M. (laughs) Yeah. And I looked at that the first time I got it. And in fact, to be honest, I still do when it pops up. And I think it's a notification... And I think it's a notification from the bank, Monzo. <laughs> I was going to say as well that it's very similar to the to the Monzo logo. I mean, you've, you, what you've done there is you've taken something that's not just a, a strong brand. I mean, it, it was a brilliant because it was a strong brand in terms of recognisable as Gmail. 
but it also was an envelope. It just meant email. Like what they had meant email, like not just Gmail, that they got the icon for email in general, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And they've replaced it with something that at best represents, I don't, I don't even know. It looks like a diff, It looks like someone else's brand, what they've replaced it with. Yeah. So trying to unify Awful. it has just caused, yeah. Yes. Unrecognition. Um, so I'm not very happy with Google at the moment for that. I think that was a bit of a silly mistake on their part. And it's it's caused me a bit of a nightmare. That that note, train notification thing is particularly annoying. Yeah. I would, would this classify as a nightmare? This doesn't. This seems fairly mild, but I do know it affects quite a lot of people. So maybe I'll let you have it. Yeah, I think. No, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's a big one. Um, Google's in my bad books for other reasons as well. Oh God, why? Because I'm a long-term user of Google Play Music. Oh no. Okay. So, yeah, they've turned that off, haven't they? Yeah. This. The, so it's a bit. It, it is was depending on when you listen to this, because it's shortly going to be shut down, uh, a bit like Spotify. So it's Google's version of Spotify. Yeah. And they've decided decided to unify that into their YouTube brand. So they've replaced it with YouTube Music, which is, as far as I can see, a less feature-rich, worse version of the same thing, which is pretty annoying. So it came up on my phone and it said, and it said, Google Play Music is going away. Replace it with YouTube. Press here to start. I pressed it. And now I've got YouTube Music instead of Google Play Music. But for me, that's fine. I don't know why this is a, a problem. You're saying it's got fewer features. I just find it harder to discover the music that I want to listen to. Well, the menu's not as good. Yes. But there's just as many tracks on there. I don't know. I don't know if there's more or less. I've not counted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better get started. Because <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> um, I don't even know. Uh, so where do I go? Oh God, I don't even know. It's obviously causing you some kind of angst, but I, I wanted to specify what kind of angst is it. Why is it worse? Because I don't like change. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we have it. I don't know. I just find it harder to find. I can't. I don't know. I need to think about it more. But it's yeah. Don't like it. Oh no! What a shame. Right. Should we end the podcast now? <laughs> On that, that note. note. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yes, that is the end of the podcast. If you have seen or used something unusable recently, we want to hear about it. You can email us at podcast at unusable dot com, and we're on Twitter at unusable podcast. If you've enjoyed this, there's plenty more. In the last episode, we talked about... What did we talk about in the last episode? Hicks Law. We talked about Hicks Law, didn't we? And uh, on YouTube, there's a video of us talking about Hanlon's Razor, which also included us talking about Occam's Razor. We also have unusable t-shirts and hoodies available to buy on our website, which is podcast.theunusable.com. Music is by Gold5472. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get a notification about the next one. And that's it until next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.